All right, folks, here we go. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dave Murray and Dorge, and we're talking about aero optimization, flight optimization, different ways to get the optimal flight out of your aero because that is the goal always, accuracy and two holes. So how do we get there? Not only does it have to do with how the aero was built, but it also starts with the bow so we talk about different techniques different strategies with the bow and the arrow to get the best flight possible we have some exciting stuff going on here with exodus we've teamed up with prime archery to give away an awesome bow package this package is worth up to 1800 bucks and all you have to do to enter is go to the website search prime archery giveaway or click the link in the description and you'll be entered to win a custom prime revex whether that's a two four or six a dozen tailor-built mmt arrows and the all-new Exodus Rival and SB18 bundle. So you'll be set to go this year. All you have to do is enter your email in the description box when you're entered to win. The announcement will come March 14th for the winner, and that'll be via email and from the Exodus podcast. So make sure you're tuning in there. With that being said, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us, and let's get into today's episode. All right, everyone. Good morning. Uh, this morning, Dorge and I are joined by Mr. Dave Murray of Vital Limits. You guys have heard Dave on the podcast previously, but Dave, thank you for joining us again today. How's it going today? Oh, pretty good. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Just uh, getting over the old Great American Outdoor Show cold that happens to me every year. Well, but it's just part of the deal. I get used to it. <laughs> yeah. So when I so that's the reason you know this every time. I try to not, after I shake hand, not to touch my face until I uh, basically wash my hand first. And I won't eat until I wash my hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And all the food, my best. handheld food. But anyway, yeah, uh, it was a good show. You guys were both there. What do you guys think this year? Uh, I think a lot of people are getting to learn the product more. Some people are, the poor people are demanding more hands-on for the I think so. For the people who are able to make decisions online, I think they are they are in pretty good shape for the last few years. But the people who are looking for hands-on, I think Green Market Auto Show is still a great place to be. Sure. What do you think, Dave? Man, the, the one day I was down there, I was that was packed. I was trying to navigate through. I was actually trying to talk to some of the tree stand manufacturers about titanium. Um, I don't know if they hit doors back up later, met back at the booth later, but... Um, that's what I was trying to do my first day down there because you you look at some of these tree stands and they're very nice tree stands like the uh, I think it's like some of the lone wolf strand stands and um, you look at the hardware on them and knowing titanium's like wow you make the stand a lot lighter and some of these stands are already getting to be near a thousand bucks by the time you get sticks on them so you know what's the big deal about throwing in titanium and something like that. Yeah, I absolutely agree, especially the rust factor. And all people mm-hmm. say, oh, titanium is silvery. He said, that's what you got industrial sharpie for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, paint those suckers up or use uh, stealth stripping or something. Oh, oh for the stabilizer situation, I, I just told people, the easiest way, just put the, your favorite shrink wrap tubing, even down to camel and put it on and shrink it. Now you get the best of both worlds. You can any color you like. I'm not going to tell you what color it is. I mean, you know, like this in the show, I was surprised a few, uh, two days. It's all titanium hardware and stabilizer for me, explaining one after the other. I'm still surprised people haven't got the clue on titanium, just like the, the industry of fishing and bicycles, and not to mention racing. But I think in, bis- in archery, titanium doesn't seem to register as big a deal as in other industry. Why do you think that is? I have no idea. Because it's just like, you know, like in archery, I find out a lot of people take a long time to even accept talks. I mean, when I'm in the automotive industry, we are, they are even talking move to the next, next, uh, uh, what you call headset already, because talk have a, have a benefit, do not have the benefit of the next generation fastener. And I think I'm one of the few guys who use talks in 2008, I was I was borderline being crucified for not using the industry standard X. Like everybody looking for standard. So 
what actually is stand-up may be my real question, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Why is that the standard? I I I think the um I think the issue revolves around like the social norms of archery. Um and and in general, bows are not made with titanium uh hardware. So you get, you know, I and, and I often get hammered with these questions, you know, when we start diving into titanium. Well, how come Matthews doesn't make a bow with titanium or 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 Bowtech or whatever it is? And it's like, well, number one, there's an added expense to this. And you know, then there then there's an, there's uh insulation methods that are a little bit added or dormant. You gotta you gotta make sure you use copper-based anti-seas. You know, if not, you're going to have the titanium seize up with the aluminum. When you start comparing the differences that it's not challenged in like aircraft or, or even hammers, um, I think you're just dealing with a more science-based crowd other than archery. When you have a lot of archers out, a lot of archers out there, there's nothing against them, but it's the, well, it's a stick and string. And what's it really going to do? It's just bolts. Maybe it makes it a little bit lighter. Maybe it's, you know, more all weather resistance, that kind of aspect. But a lot of people don't realize that, you know, let me kick back a little bit. Everybody wants a dead in the hand bow, right? So the issue becomes with this is um, if, if we can make it more dead in the hand, why not, right? It's a better selling point. So when you have lighter weight with titanium and it's a better dampening vibration material, it serves in two aspects. Number one, the material itself is better vibration dampening. Number two, when you take away that weight, there's no way for the re for resonance to occur. Therefore, vibration is canceled. So you have it done in two aspects, so, you know, with the strive to get to a lighter bow, but still a functional bow, um, that's more dead in the hand. A at the other end, when you start talking, and uh, Dorch will probably uh, detail this out more, when you get in the area to limb bolts, and we're able to take away that resonance, you have a, a cleaner transfer of energy that can transmit to the arrow down range. So when we get a switch hardware, and on our arrow build from the typical steel to the titanium, we get the issue uh, or we, we get the benefit of, we see the arrow starts to have a higher impact by about one to two inches at about 30 yards. And it can be a little bit more significant at 40 yards. So, you know, for some people that could be a very big deal because you're shooting, it, it shows that the, the arrow is able to fly better. And, you know, some people that may not be a big of a deal, but that, you know, you have to, you have to find that out. Some, you know, there's, there's shops I've heard of that are in Alaska who want the titanium kits, you know, strictly based on that it's, you know, it's, you're, you're talking a coastal environment, there's high humidity and stuff like that. Um, and there's even a lot of companies out there that, or I won't say a lot, there's companies out there that have the titanium uh, hardware nurse corporates, one of them, which George is very familiar with. Uh, when Newbury was in business, they used to put titanium in their bows. I believe that Firenock, um, George has set up something with PSE. They had titanium in like some of their carbon bow models. So I, I think the issue is when we get into these debates with titanium, they start automatically looking at the bow manufacturers well how come they don't do it well how come they didn't make an, an, an arrow vein or how come they didn't make a concept system and stuff you know there's you know there's some of this and, and george i believe has the patent on hollow titanium limb bolts where we're reducing a limb bolt possibly by as much as about 70 percent of the weight yeah on the hollow side yes yeah on the hollow side which is crazy but you're you know in, in general, with titanium, you're taking weight down by about 50%. So just to, just to put some stuff in perspective, and this is one of the earlier debates I remember being in with several members on a board. You know, 
they were saying, and, and they were right, because I checked it. I had the on target two software. In order for you to gain one or two inches at 30 yards, your bow has to shoot something like 50 foot per second faster. Okay. What if we still had the same launch speed, but we implemented titanium in your bow and picked up the one or two inches right then? What's the difference? You know, at, at the end of the day, if you're trying to hit oil, it doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there. So if you want a flatter shooting bow and we could put you, you know, your max out on poundage or your arrow build or something like that, then we could put you in titanium and possibly, you know, have some of them advantages. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not anything that's going to add on 100 feet per second. Sure. As far as on on your launch speed, but what we're looking at is is where you know where the how how the arrow is impacting how it's flying. Are we getting flatter trajectory out of it? Because I often say, you know, a lot of people go off of the chronograph, you know, which is three feet away. Nobody's shooting deer hardy that I know of at three feet away. Yeah. So, <laughs> what what we want to look at is what's happening downrange with the arrow. At the impact and point. At mm-hmm. the impact point. And, and, and I want to put this out there just to make sure. These, a, a lot of this comparison is based on what I'm doing with the custom arrow build. If there's a bad arrow build out there, whether it's factory or somebody just tried to run something together, you may not see this game because of the arrow build. It's like... I think it might've been George. George has shoots out several analogies to this, but you know, you can have a great, you can have a great suspension in a truck and drive it down the road, but if you drive it off the cliff, it's not going to help you. So, you know, to see some of these benefits, everything else has to be still in tune and we can, we can see these little, I mean, it's, it's, it can be a little difference to some or, or yeah. So, you know, that's some of the, issues that we're having with titanium is the social norms of the archery industry that's just typically not done but you got to understand is fire knock is something that you typically don't run across i mean george george i'll say this and um jim burnworth even said it i think on his video george has got to be the smartest guy in archery <laughs> he said some walls that line i mean they, i mean they got, he's just you know, um, well, George, take it away. Go ahead. Play some titanium. <laughs> well, I want to sort of put, uh, re, re, uh, recall some of the conversation at Great American Dodge. Oh, I've got a customer and two friends come to me. They say, Dodge, we use our, your, as you suggested, we bought your titanium kit. We put in our V3 in the V3X. The pin gaps get, get narrower. I say, and your corner didn't show any speed faster, isn't it? He said, yes, but at 20, 30, 40, the pin gap is narrower. I say, that's exactly what you're getting. He said, but it's not possible. I say, but you see it, right? <laughs> they keep on saying that it is not possible, but they are actually seeing the result themselves. And of course, in this show, they come to me and we have a, a reasonably long conversation about harmonic resonance control and arrow launch cycle process. I know it sounds a little bit technical, but it is a technical deal. What you're looking at is that titanium as a natural uh, vibration, not dampening, is actually mitigate. When when you got a piece of titanium, say a meter, and you send say a hundred unit of vibration energy through it, in most cases, you only get about 15 to 5% of energy passing through. Why a piece of say uh, IM6, IM7 graphite will send 99.8, if not 99.9 of the energy through. Wow. And people say, well, why is it? Uh, but I'm just changing some limb bolts. I say, need you understand, look at your whole bow's construction. It's majority aluminum, fiberglass, right? Fiberglass on the limb, aluminum riser, and what happened to the density of those? 
those densities are significantly lower than the titanium, uh, than the steel. So if energy is moving back and forth from the boat as you shoot it, those energy is gonna go straight to the screw and stay there. <clears throat> wait a minute, what do you mean stay there? You got resonance because those are focused resonant points. You see, but that's not a big deal. Yes, that's not a big deal in the days of eight and nine pound bows. It's getting a lot of big deal. Like when the PSEA comes out, it was less than two pound. It's not shootable. The moment you shoot it, the entire bow shot like a tuning fork. Yeah. That's the reason they tune it down to above four pound when PSE first come out. And I, I have a very fast conversation with, uh, that would be Anna Racer. He's vice president of engineering in, in Hoyt, not in, uh, in PSE. I say, Alan, you know, that big limb, limb pocket crossbar you have is three eight inch by 2.76 inch across. Let me redesign that for you. I did. Just when the, when the product comes out, I send to him, he said, he called me back to the Dodge, you reduce 78% in total weight and have the same structure integrity. First of all, you need to remember in GL titanium is 350% strength of a basic blue seal. So even I hollow it, it still have close to 150 to 200%. I mean, I mean, a lot of people don't understand titanium is not titanium. You know, I'll talk about what gray. I mean, a lot of people who have shot the later 2023 Hoyt will be sort of pulling their hair right now because the original 516 XO on the Hoyt target bows are bending. Oh. You see, that's the reason Dalton go out to quarter inch, Matthew go out to a quarter inch. Because quarter inch, if you look at the base on, base on cross section, it's more than 50% larger. But then you also increase mass. But if I go with like the way I did with the Matthew XO, I actually drop the weight because I hollow it and it's of Java titanium. I dropped the weight by so to 70%. Now, it, it very, for us, for the people who drive cars, I want you to imagine the days you able to upgrade from your steel rims to your aluminum rims, which is a very minor deal. How's your car feel? It's the same car, same engine, same transmission, same person, but the car drives better. It, why? Rotating mass. But the case of a bow, there's actually multiple levels. First of all, the axle, you've got to lower the mass. That means when you when you when, when you stop the bow, that means when you relax the bow and the bow finally stopped, that means the string is a neutral position. All the energy have to go somewhere. And guess what they're gonna focus on? every single piece of hardware that is higher than aluminum and fiberglass, and they will do micro shake there. That micro shake is gonna transmit into the aero shaft. I mean, when we take the high-speed camera, we find out that actually another example, when Rod White was doing the testing for me on just on the chill X, I believe that he, he told me on the best case scenario, uh, on the normal scenario at 60 yard, you're talking 28 to 34 feet per second difference. Same bow, same arrow. That's not a small deal. No, not at all. But then of course, I still vividly remember when Jeremy Martin was building the arrow for the gentleman who have 26 inch draw, uh, 26 inch draw, 45 pound pool. And I told him not to get a brand new halon and I redo his uh, switchback XT with his sight and also stabilizer arrow rest. When he finished the job, his, his arrow is only a 337 grain, by the way. It's uh, 25 inch, 327 grain. It blow through an arrow at 60, 65 yards. He was on my 2015, uh, 2018 catalog cover. Now, what did he really, why do I do that? Because see, that, that bow will give him much more efficiency. And I, at the moment I put titanium in everything. The funniest thing is that when the gentleman first last called HHJ, I still repeat, remember this. Actually, say, say, what's your pin gap again? <laughs> you can't be shooting 380 feet per second. He said, no, I'm not even shooting 280. But what you're getting is the performance of the arrow dropping like. I'm not saying everybody would, because see, when you reach a certain point at a certain stage, your arrow, your bow, everything work together and the magic begins. I would say 
If anybody asks me what does titanium, I say titanium is one of the magic sauce you add to your Adric equipment besides Aero Concept. Seriously. I mean, uh, I got so many customers who actually use the bow with titanium. I mean, we've been selling that since 2009. <laughs> Most people think it's snake oil. I always say, remember, we have find out have a 30-day unconditional no-fault warranty. You know what the word no-fault means? It doesn't matter what it is. As long as you send it back to us, we'll refund you. The only thing you lost is sh shipping. I mean, nowadays you can't buy anything to play for 30 days and pay shipping only. Right. No, yeah, you can't. And on top of that, I know you're going to take effort. I mean, some people have no bow press and so on. Say, so if that's the case, grab your buddy's bow who is titanium, shoot his or hers, whatever. Get to feel the difference. I mean, titanium has such benefit. Like, I mean, I remember Green Bear with those show, the gentleman come in and try to buy stabilizer systems. I say, what are you trying to accomplish with the stabilizer? Because that's another thing. When you use titanium as stabilizer, you need to fundamentally think, what are you trying to accomplish? Because the old stabilizer is adding weight and angular momentum to stabilize your bow. I'll give you a hint, which is exactly opposite of what everybody says. Do you know why so many customers send me their bow side rest quivers to change your titanium? Yes, it's nice to have lightweight. It's also nice to have no rust. But most of the guys are like your Alaska, your Western guys who spot and stalk. I told them, do the same experiment. Turn yourself 90 degrees from your target. Put a stopwatch. Before you do the titanium kit, turn 45 degree, aim. And then use the titanium, turn 45 degree, and then aim. You know what the difference is? It's about one to one and a half second faster on target, target acquisition. acquisition. Wow. Yes. And most people say, Nick can be. Uh, I mean, I'm strong enough. I'm whatever it is. You are dealing with angular momentum on every single piece of hardware. That is at least 45% heavier from every single point. And you do, if you do not recognize the benefit of losing those, you need to talk to the bicycle and the race guys. I mean, you just like, I remember the days I was helping a guy with uh, with outlaws, you know, the, those race cars with six lug nut per wheel with no brakes. I give them the full set of 24 lug nuts and, and studs on his outlaws. The moment he put it on, he told me, Dodge, the car feel like he got 30 to 35 horses more. And he go into corner, again, you know, it go into corner the same, but he come out a lot faster. Now, those are all been, what, what you're really looking at is that, what is the total mass that you're dealing with? Mass as in weight and density. And that's where, I mean, can we put aluminum? Answer is absolutely, I will guarantee you, aluminum fastener will be better than titanium. But people don't understand, in order to aluminum, you're doing dealing with dura aluminum. The dura aluminum compared to a GL5 is about two to three times the price right now. And correct me if I'm wrong, but um, aluminum is actually heavier than titanium? No, aluminum is about half the weight of titanium. Aluminum, yeah, that's what I'm... No, okay, yeah, that's what I meant. Titanium is heavier than correct. Oh, titanium yeah, is heavier than aluminium. Yeah, that's what and I a meant. lot of people. And I mean, let me give you the specs. I always keep it on it. Okay, aluminium will give you two point seven gram per centimeter square. Titanium is four point four three. It's close to forty percent lighter. The more you, of course, a lot of people like to talk about magnesium. Magnesium is even better. It's one point seven one point seven three eight. But the only problem with magnesium, we've got major corrosion issue. Just put it this way, you spray water on magnesium, that sucker will melt and burn and explode. That's what magnesium will do. I mean, if we do magnesium aluminum alloy, it's great, but the structure is not there. Structure metal, the lightest is in deep magnesium. The absolute heaviest is tungsten. I mean, give you an idea, from steel to aluminum is uh, about one to four ratio. Wow. Titanium is minus 45%. And tungsten is 2.1%. The means tungsten is 2.1%, 210% heavier than, uh, than steel. 
Lead is right between. Lead is about uh, 40 percent heavier than steel. So why team use tungsten? Well, it's expensive. It's hard to work with. But at the same time, why team use aluminium? I mean, just like moving from 6061, which is your basic, like uh, your your typical magnetizer, compared to uh, say a 7175, the hardness is 250 percent difference. Because 7075 is 82% strength of 304 stainless. Remember, aluminum is not aluminum, alum, titanium is not titanium, steel is not steel. You need to be specific what grade sure. and what combination, what composite. The moment you go alloy, I mean, it's, it's going crazy because you can have three, four, five, six, seven. And in case of what Tesla is for the, for the frame, it's 21 different elements in different ratios. Uh, I mean, I got a headache thinking beyond four. <laughs> <laughs> but th that's not even in, that is not, that's not even in unique ratios. I mean, like a GR5 titanium is what, 90% 90, 90 titanium, chromium, and then you got aluminum in it. So GR5 titanium is actually an alloy. The true, true pure titanium are your GR2, GR3, GR4, and of course your GR1. Let me give you an idea how good titanium vibration is. Like the old, or the latest Audi, the Audi A8, the exhaust pipe is made of GL2 titanium, which means they don't vibrate. Hmm. They don't rust. They are fifth, about 50% lighter. But tell me, and they work just like brass. Tell me, what do you not like about it? Maybe my guess would be price. Don't know, the funny thing is, GL2 titanium and brass if you look in mass production based on today's world, their price is about the same oh. as brass. Wow. That's the reason that when I make the GL2 Z-Bump, when I first look at the price, I mean, well, first I made a GL5 first. Then I find out it's unworkable. The G, because GL5 is not as good as GL2 in vibration absorption. And GL2, so when you buy my Z-Bump, it's too long. You can just cut it with a hacksaw, the same about approach as you you cut a machine brass. So what, I mean, let me go back to stabilizers again. Do you know why stabilizer is just so different in the case of titanium, say aluminum or carbon? Think about it. it typical stabilizer concept is that you're looking for the balance of the bow. But yeah. most people screw up on the balance of the bow because they put the bow in the bow balancer or whatever, but that's not how you shoot it. When you right. shoot it, the center of gravity shift from your holding arm hand all the way to around your wrist. That's your true holding. Now people say, well, I need a front bar to hold the bow straight. In most cases, you don't really need it unless you shoot target. Because most of the bow today's are recessed risers. I mean that the, plate you, the, the hand you grab is actually behind the limbos. So the whole riser is already in front of you. So you, most people should not need a stabilizer. The moment that most people think that they need a stabilizer because they are just didn't practice enough to hold something heavy all the way out there, by adding weight, they're using angular momentum to stabilize their hand. Okay. But the worst part is that, which I would suggest anybody who use stabilizer, go on eBay and get yourself the cheapest field point laser. Screw it onto your arrow, pull the bow back and see how long you actually hold and shoot. I would tell you over 80% of the people who say they need a stabilizer, the moment they pull the bow back within five seconds, that laser point was doing a wasp dance. Sometimes they even go into tangos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, I mean, they've worked with a lot of stabilizers. And, and uh, I, he was one of the few guys who original, I sent a stabilizer for him to test. And he will tell you his experience. If you got a stabilizer in most cases, that's another thing. Do you know what the, besides the screws on the bow, what is the biggest offender of not adding, letting you acquire a target fast enough? I don't know. The sight. Okay, that was gonna mm -hmm. be my guess. Think about it. Your sight is sticking out all the way in the front of the bow. And it's not a one piece. It's make up a whole bunch of screws put together because your first, second axles, your side beam, your adjustment, so on, right? 
what does every one of them is hold together by? Screws. Screws. So when a ball and vibration go to there for every part of it, guess what they do? They all resonate and and when they come back, they, they now created a huge amount of chaos and resonance and then come back to you and then go back to the arrow, rest, uh, uh, the arrow and then so on. And then, and then for people who really spoke in stock, I told them, if you really want to say, a lot of people use back bar only on the new generation stabilizer because they try to offset the weight of the site. So say like a, like a sport hawk, hawk father, you know, that's about three ounces of screws in that thing. Wow. So you go to titanium and then be more precise, do the whole thing. You've got about what? One and a half, two ounces of the deal. What does that mean? That means now your back bar is now you can use less one and a half to two ounce back. Sure. You're taking four ounce off. Yeah. Now, if you think about it, four ounce off, that is not on your hand, but away from your hand. What does that really do to your aiming? You're aiming, acquiring a target process is a whole lot faster and easier. Isn't that cool? Yeah, you're convincing me over here. No, actually, especially, I mean, uh, uh, mm -hmm. especially for guys that are doing 3D courses who are shooting these R100s and stuff. You know, they put the bow up multiple times. You're walking X amount of yards to the target. It gets hot. You get fatigued the bow become, bow starts feeling heavy after a while. So to have a little less weight on there to play a factor in you holding the bow up not as long to acquire the target could be a huge deal. Sure, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I did the titanium kit this year. I went full on. We got the whole thing. We did the axle switch. We did um, the quiver bolts we did almost everything except for the site bolts i want to say yeah because your site was not there yet yeah yep um, and i told people he said don't take my word for it get, get your friends get a site that's without titanium screw and get a site with and make everything the same okay but remember in archery one one plus one is not two it's something less that means you improve on one factor you improve another factor you do not get two improvement of points. You yeah. get more like a 1.5, 1.7, and sometimes down to 1.2. Sure. Each individual improvement is a big deal. But when you add all of them together, it is not a gigantic 500% improvement. You add five. It may be, it may be a 2.1. See, this is what a lot of people, like the guy say, I did a titanium upgrade. They both feel great. Then I did a science rest upgrade. It just feel marginally upgrade. I say, if you don't do the titanium, don't the side upgrade, you're going to see the difference. Yeah. But already a lot of problem is taken care of by the bow. Whatever is on the site, the bow will help to mitigate it. Sure. Same thing with air arrest and the quiver mounts. I mean, this is where, you know, just if you just do the site and nothing else, you will see a lot more dramatic improvement. But the moment you do both of them, the improvement you feel is less, but I will guarantee you there's improvements. Oh yeah. Yeah. One of the things that, um, I guess this is just my theory, but I'm sure you're going to confirm it. The, I, we did the titanium kit and, um, I, I struggled this year with archery mentally. I was a little bit screwed up and I just wasn't shooting well. I switched releases and I was trying to like change my whole shot, shot process up in the uh, uh, process of that. I dry fired that Matthews bow three times. Oh, Jiminy. And typically you dry fire a Matthews bow and it blows up. You're getting limbs cracked and you're needing to replace some things. I think because I had the entire titanium kit, it saved the bow. I actually that you say. <laughs> hmm. This you need to think about the, the, the physical unsprung and sprung mass which is extremely visible in the case of crossbows. Let me give you an idea. On the, on the mission sub-1XL, just by changing the titanium axle, the bow shoots seven feet per second faster on the standard 400 grain, 400 grain arrow, crossbow arrows. What does it really mean? The stopping and the, mom, 
the momentum of the tip of the limbs dropped, the speed do not. The energy transfer is more efficient. And it, that is reason a lot of people fire say, wait a minute, it's sort of safe. Yes, but don't get me wrong. Everything is faster. In your cases, I mean, you know, the, the, uh, the V3X is a pretty a sturdy ball. And it's not going to be, I mean, yes, it's not going to be like a, like a hoy you can drive five, 15 times, that kind of deal. You don't really want to do that because the riser on the limb pocket session is going to show the difference. Yeah. But yes, anytime you put lightweight, just like one pound of feather and one pound of steel, does it weigh the same? Answer is yes. Okay, if that's the case, let me throw a pound of feather on your hand and compare to a pound of steel and see how you feel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that in some cases is not a good example, but at least you give you a concept of mass and density. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, yeah, I attributed that uh, not having to replace that bow to the, the titanium kit, but I never really talked about it. Um, but it happens. I mean, you know, just like we, with, the new, with the new generation bows, especially on some of the newer releases, it do happen more. I'm not saying that with a titanium kit that will save you from blowing up the bow. I'm saying that it's like having anti-lock brakes. In the best situation, at least you can, you can get out of it easier. Sure. Can, you, can you get out of all situation? Hell no. Yeah, yeah. If your number is called, your number is called. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Dave, uh, what are some of the experiences that you have had with uh, replacing titanium kits, whether it be in a compound bow or a crossbow? I know um, a lot of your focus is in the crossbow world, and I'm, I'm so... Uh, naive to anything crossbow so I'd, I'd like to get educated on the benefits in that world as well well i started out doing a lot of titanium titanium kits and vertical bows actually crossbow was something i um uh just kind of graduated into um both kind of both follow along the lines of the same premises um to the shooter it's going to beat her bow feels a little bit lighter um there's that all weather factor going in. The bow at times, and this is shooter feedback, will sound a little bit different. It changes the frequency of the bow. Um, they notice that it's it's it has that more dead in the hand feeling in it. They'll notice that their arrow performance is a little bit better. So across the board, it. it I, I think it enhances the overall dynamics of the arrow as far as at the end of the day, what's being shot. Um, so it's, it's a plus, but I always tell people that, you know, don't expect that you're going to put it up at the chronograph and see a 50 or hundred feet per second game um, as far as the number goes, but down range is where you're going to see, more stuff happen um you know out, outside of that being in in crossbows you know i do an extensive amount of work on raven crossbows it's a high shock bow you know they're they're some of their design is not what i would say is quite up to par as far as on their their limb pocket caps so you know, some of this, as far as being benefits and, and performance enhancing to the bow and the other aspect, especially in regards to that, we're just trying to get the bow to survive. Um, you know, it, 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 being a finicky bow, a high shock bow under extreme stress, you know, we're, I, I can't guarantee that any bow won't blow up, but we're trying to minimize that. And we use titanium as one of them tools. Um, to give it that option to hopefully prolong the, 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 the bow over, you know, a longer lifespan or where the, the shooter has less of a chance of it blowing up. That has been a huge benefit in crossbow world, especially in regards to, you know, like the Raven crossbows. So I get a lot of shooters who, who want that option um, in the crossbow. I get a lot of shooters that come to me with that bow to either, they either seen some bad reviews of the bow blown up and there could be various reasons why it blows up um 
or if they had that experience and they want to, they like the bow and they, but they want to minimize it and will have me put in a titanium kit, you know, in, in that bow. So I think in general, I've had a lot of happy shooters with titanium kits, um, with the arrow builds. I have guys that have shot, um, deer on video. I have them on my YouTube that they've shot the deer at, you know, a hundred yards with these things. And, you know, um, they're, they're more than happy, happy with the kits. It's just a matter of, I always tell people that you, you, some shooters out there will get a bow and they'll hold on to it for six months. That may not be, you may not be the uh, perfect candidate for a titanium kit. Um, guys that want to shoot their bows over longevity them two or three year periods before getting rid of the bow, I definitely think it's a worthwhile investment. Yeah, especially some of these bows are creeping up in price tremendously. I mean, vertical bows now, it's not really uncommon to $1,500, $1,800 for a bow. And in crossbow world, you know, two or 3000 seems to be kind of the norm in premium bow world. I mean, granted, you're getting a, although it's basically you're getting a set of arrows, you're getting a scope on it and stuff, but archery is getting expensive and when you start looking at a titanium kit that say maybe 100 or 200 hours depending on the type of kit you're getting it's really not that bad of a deal yeah yeah i would agree with that um so either one of you can speak to this have you ever had a customer or a client um install the titanium kit and do everything and claim that the results were not there uh, yeah, yes, that will. Any bow that is cocked way over or any bow is designed above their specs. In other words, if you put a titanium kit on the 80-pound on the bow that was designed based on the 70-pound bow, you're technically not going to see any difference. Okay. You need to think I, about using a titanium like a suspension. If your car is loaded to the ground, max, maxed out. What kind of a suspension do you expect you to get? Yeah, not very good. I mean, at this reason, I got a few customers ask me, I got 80 pound bows. I have, I really cannot feel the difference. But they told me the arrow should flatter because the bow is maxed out. So the feel is going to blast, but the titanium of doing the bow is going to be there for the arrow. Okay. This time is not for the feel because you are not going to get any of the vibrational dampening and so on. Or for a guy whose bow is super heavy, they loaded the whole bow with stabilizer and on. Well, the bow is going, I mean, you are using non-spun mass as your stabilization. All the vibration will go to the mass. The titanium is not going to do too much. But if you're going to put three or four pounds of weight on your stabilizer, if I knock three ounces off the bow, what are we talking here? Yeah. So, yes, and also like the case of limb bolts, I told my customer, be very careful, look at the bow design. If the bow limb bolts anchoring point is not a barrel nut, don't touch hollow titanium. If on 516s, if your weight is over 75 pounds or above 75 pounds, do not use hollow titanium because I designed those to handle up to 75 pounds. The moment you go beyond that, you're going to break those. Go with solid. Okay. All right. Dave, you were going to say something there? Yeah, I mean, I, I've really never ran into the problem of, and I, I would say that's based on, usually when a person, would have, you know, the majority, I'm going to say 99% of them will have me put the titanium kit in them, but the few didn't do, they always still get the arrow build, a string system, like a whole a whole mess of stuff so it's you know essentially even if they do it i'm taking them from getting a ride on a school bus to letting them drive an f-150 raptor shelby edition 700 and some horsepower so it's <laughs> it goes from one extreme um to the other so the, you know i mean stevie wonder can see the difference after, yeah there's you know, a lot there's a lot kind of stuff of, going on there that makes sense um I, I mean, just, in the case in the uh, case of titanium stabilizer, this is another thing. The entire approach of a customer is different. As I say, a traditional stabilizer, 
was used for two reasons. In hunting situation, you help user hold the, hold the target a bit longer. In the case of target, you want to use angular momentum for the target. In the case of stabilizer, it's not help you to shoot. It's help you to hold the bow after you shoot. See a difference on approach? The titanium on the stabilizer in the target system. Instead, you help you to hold on the target longer. In the case of a hunting situation, it lets you acquire the target faster while maintain and hold the target longer and faster. Yes, longer and faster are very important. Faster is that you can acquire a target. The longer is that after you acquire a target, you maintain the target. In the case of a target archers, acquiring the target speed is unimportant. Holding on the target as precisely as possible for a long time is. So, I mean, a lot of people want long bars in the front. I tell them, well, if you really want long bar heavyweight in the front, stick with the aluminum, stick with the carbon. But the back bar, go with the titanium. Okay. The hunting situation, front and back bar, both titanium. Because see, depend, I mean, the reason for that, because most people use long bar, those 30 inch bars, when they walk around the ASA, IBO, or 3D circle or tech, they don't use those bars for stabilizing. They use it for walkers. For yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so using titanium is not really helping because the, if you look at my design, it's not to be lean on and for weight for durability. It's for lightweight and target acquisition speed. That makes sense. So, George, what about titanium on the component side of the arrow, like titanium inserts? Well, actually, it doesn't do much, but a lot of people, they like the durability of titanium. A lot of my customers, especially the one who's want to shoot Alaska or pronghorns, still is not a good way. And if you go for, say, a really good hunt, you want to come back for long-term durability, point of impact straightness, Titanium a slight benefit. As I say again, it's 50% lighter than steel and it's 50% heavier than aluminum. And sometimes if that is the balance you look for, that's the one you use. Because just like uh, the, you know, 204, the, uh, the aluminum 204A, uh, 202, the 202A is, is uh, 18 grain, the stainless is 55 and the titanium is 30, right in the middle. Yeah. So- George has a George has a titanium dagger. It got it's like 85, I think it's 85 grains, isn't it? It's a broadhead? Yeah. Broadhead, yeah. And that was our original military use. Because the moment you sharpen it, that dagger with the lightweight allow it to build a arrow heavier. That's the arm, that's the uh what do you call it? It's the safety vest piercing grade. So you up the insert to about 130, you put a titanium dagger in the front, you go through both sides. <laughs> No, I'm waiting for the titanium tip on a swing blade because I had I had done an I had done a 2.0 arrow system build that I think I had about a 45 or 50 grain field point. And the 75 grain falcon is right there if we can change the tip, George. I'm working on titanium. it. That's one of the 2024 deal. Because see, I want to show people. You want to lower the weight of the heavy on the shaft and lower the tip of the weight of the fuel points. The moment you learn how to shoot FOC when the arrow stabilizes early, the amount of speed and flatter trajectory you gain, and not to mention the penetration is unreal. You need don't see most people think of an arrow as a broadhead and shaft. That itself is the same concept as spear. Because no, actually, well, a, a, a sling, a rock with a string behind it. Now you need to think of the arrow as a modified spear. So when the tip touch, you want the rest of the arrow to be straight and all the mass of the entire arrow pushing straight behind that broadhead. So how heavy do the broad need to be? Answer is none. It's all the weight need to be in the shaft. Push through it. Correct, you're pushing through it. Just like when you're holding a punch, how much weight does a punch have in the front? Nothing. The weight is all in your hand and your shoulder. You're pushing that in. So as long as the entire arrow is straight, 
as long as the arrow itself have mass on it. The, in the old days, when you have mass for the front of the arrow, you look for direction. If you look for directional help in the case of archery, especially for anything that is over 75% off, you're taking a hole for yourself because you're creating a chaos. No, you are actually defeating what you're doing. Your arrow is going to flex a lot more in the air. So the moment when the arrow impact, that flex arrow shaft is going to cause your arrow, the final vector to go backwards. Your penetration will suffer. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think uh, that, that all makes a lot of sense. I, every time, uh, every time I talk to someone at, the great American outdoor show. That was one of the most common things was, Oh, these builds are only 10 to 12% FOC. Um, I, I, I gotta have heavier. I gotta shoot, um, 19 to 20% FOC. And I was just, I always like, said, if you need to shoot that heavy FOC, first of all, you don't know how to tune bow. Second, you don't know how to shoot. I can't help you. That's the fact. Yeah. I just, and I mean, if you, if you want that much FOC, the last thing you need, you're going to need a 16 veins on the back to keep the arrow straight. Yeah. That's the reason so many people with high bear will see off the four veins because the arrow and the back is flipping like crazy. So you need the four veins to hold it. Yeah. Think about it. You got super heavy. The arrow is flexing. The, the head on momentum is going a single direction, but the arrow shaft is now behaving like a noodle. It's flexing. So as it flexes, where is the vein going? Everywhere except where you point it. And now you try to put some weight on the back. That means just like doing a, 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 a stock car, you go all the way down to the end of your 100 meter, whatever that is. And now all of a sudden the car keep going. What do you do? You put a parachute out. Otherwise, you're going to go somewhere you don't want to go. Yeah. So why do people want four-inch four veins or, 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 or a two-inch vein with two-inch vein in six of them? Because they need the drag to slow the arrow, to slow the tail of the arrow down. So far, the arrow sort of going straight instead of going like this, like yeah. a big circle on the back. Sure. Yeah. It, it, it makes a ton of sense to me. I think, I don't know if I told you the example that I um, was given. It was really kind of an easy way to explain like what the back of your arrow has to do to balance out with the front of the arrow. So uh, I think it was Tyler Terry that said it. He said, um, take a five gallon bucket of water and pick it up with your left hand the right side of your body has to work really hard to stabilize you. But if you take two buckets of water and put it in each hand, it's a lot easier to walk stable. Absolutely. It's, I mean, again, every single plane that we fly, we move with speed, require optimization. What are you trying to make your arrow do? To fight as true as possible, as fast as possible to your target. The moment the case of, let me bring back the titanium. What does titanium do for you? The titanium will let all those unwanted vibration resonance that's on your arrow shaft that eat the energy in the first 30 yard, not there. So your arrow can shoot flatter. Then for the guys who should say uh, 400, 500, 600 grain with 150 grain point, he said, I don't see any difference. Why would you see any difference? Your arrow is, is flying like a kite, just lost the strength. Seriously, I told people, if you really want to see how bad your arrow really do on high FFOC, put a light enough on the back, shoot it and take a video of how your light behave. You will find out that with a heavy FOC arrow, the moment you shot it, your light of your bow, the first feet out of your bow, it can be up to 12 to 15 inch left and right. Yeah, that's insane. No, no, no let, let me, let me, you, you, you think I'm a big joking, right? Look at every single archery talk, or, or, or some of the older Leitner commercials or, or prints. When those guys shoot the arrow out with the so-called perfect hunting arrow, which is heavy FOC, you will see the moment they shot it, the light go left and right of the bow about close to feet, if not a foot and a half. If the light is there, where's the vein? Yeah, two inches past that. Okay. If the vein is passing, just take 12 inches of the vein, breathing left and right. Where is the vein pointing? Anything except front. Yeah. Then what is the shaft doing? The shaft is flexing that much. If the shaft is flexing that much, what do you think that flex is causing? Energy consumption. 
So as the shaft is flexing and energy consumption, drag is happening. What happened to your aeroflight? Oh, you feel slice through and hit the target. No, you need to look at the entire flight path of that arrow from front and back. Again, if you shoot the arrow, it takes 22 yards to sort of like stabilize. The moment you hit the animal, say it's 16 yards, the, the point going to the animal, where's the tail doing? The tail is flexing away from where you aim. Now that factors is going, if you look at the resulting factor from the first left and right is actually backwards, you know that? Yeah, yeah. So Twitch explain why your energy, your impact just not less. Can you load it enough to shoot it? Absolutely. You put enough momentum, you got your what? You got your slug force way up there. But what are you giving up? Pin gaps, speed, judgments, all of them come into play. Yeah. So I always said the true key for archery is optimization. What are you trying to, what is your coral? What, how far are you shooting? How fast are you shooting? What is the optimized thing to do? I mean, just like, I remember the time when I, when I, I met my good buddy, John, uh, John Germ. He said, you know what's the worst thing when you walk in a car dealer and tell them, I want the best vehicle. So what does that mean? <laughs> best for what? Yes. Exactly. You want comfort? You want a horse stuff? You want the best really efficient? Because if you want to say, I want the absolute cheapest operation and never use gas, maybe the, your answer is a bicycle. Could but be. you say, I want to cruise the highway in style, fully comfort, able to massage. Maybe your answer is, a, say something, a CL600. It's one cost 160,000, the other may run above 5,000 if you go extreme on a bicycle. But what are you really wanting this thing to do? Because that's why I always ask customers. If you want to use, you want to shoot, just like today. I say money, no object. Okay, but still, what are you trying to do with it? I mean, like, like a double A archery. Oh, no, somebody in Illinois. Most of the customers shoot 120 yards on a vertical bow, you know that. No, I'm not joking. <laughs> Most people never dream about it. But when you go to places that so many people hunt, after the second gun season, the deer walks 60 to 80 yards from the tree line. So if you want to shoot, how close are you? Yeah. <laughs> I right. mean, like Dave, I remember when he first used Arrow Concept 2.0 with the full titanium kit, and he told me, Dodge, this is unreal. I remember that you told me about 97 yard, ball Nine, size free hand. 90, 92, 92 and change. I shot a two and a quarter inch group, three shots. Out of eight to 13,000 straightness arrows with a 2.0 system. <laughs> I mean, that was, I mean, if you tell somebody that that doesn't really know anything about what we're doing, they're trying to figure out how to, you know, how the heck I would even hit the target. Yeah. Let alone shoot a sub three inch group at over 90 yards with a hunter class setup. I'm not talking a scope or whatever, but, um, you know, it, it was, you know, I, I would say fairly easy for me as an average Joe shooter, the group, did he, get did a group he hear same say something 13,000 straightness? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, run. I mean, those those were George's first like generation pest errors, and he's like, "Well, try something with this." And I'm like, "All right." I put them on. I spine located. I put them on the spinner. I took them right off the spinner real quick. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I I built them, and I was like, "Wow!" And that's when we first we first started. It was like, "Wow, this is this." You know, I, I think we already did something on straightness being a myth, but um, you know when. Having a 2.0 system, um, the calm stuff down like that, and be able to shoot it, it makes it makes the the arrow shoot way more forgiving. And I also noticed this when I was doing a, a light that was a heavyweight arrow build. When I did a lightweight arrow build, and I was doing some testing on different lengths of tubing to put in the back and stuff, and I what I found out was that when I would do the shooting on a 1.0 system, which is a phenomenal shooting um, arrow, 
when I was starting to get out to that 50 or 60 yards, for me to hold that vertical line and not have as many left and rights, the 2.0 system made it so much more easier to shoot on the line versus I really had to hone in my technique shooting to 1.0 to hold, to hold the line on that. That's pretty interesting. Well, I, I, want to, I want to put a caution to a lot of my listeners. Do not attempt to build 2.0. No. At least shoot the 1.0 for one year and find yourself a good certified and trained dealer. Or at least get yourself to shoot one of the 2.0 first. So you know how does it feel like. Because I would guarantee you, on the days of the 2012 to 2014, I got a few customers who just jumped into it and absolutely hated it. You know why they hated it? They don't know how to build 2.0 and it failed. The, the, two, the build failed, not the arrow. The process of they don't understand every single procedure. They didn't make it right. I mean, the that best means, example is like, imagine you're asking your teenage son or, or nephew to build you a Nissan GT engine compared <laughs> to a guy who's building a Nissan GT engine. You should be glad that they actually run. Yeah. That's the difference. That, the I difference mean, there's is a the process. I mean, there's, there's also the shooting aspect as far as, you know, some guys out there just literally, I would say, abuse the arrow. You know, these bows are getting faster and faster and stuff. When they do a chronograph, they still put the arrow at like, you know, just beyond the um, the chronograph. And, you know, it could be a brand new Reinhardt target. It's the equivalent to like a brick. And you're hitting that and it's, it's hard on the arrow in general. And the 2.0 system, something that you got to keep in mind. And I don't want to say this to say that it's it can't withstand something that can. But when you're shooting at that kind of extremity, the bow's putting out X amount of feet right there coming out of the bow, the 2.0 system has no insert. There's no front end to keep it from going forward. It's it's you know, if you do the process right, it's in there very well and can withstand, I would say, your typical target shooting, your 20, your 30-yard bag targets. It'll withstand shots on game. But if you're running it into a chronograph at like four feet away, there's a chance that the 2.0, that the tube in the back is going to come on done and, and move towards the shaft. It doesn't mean that the shaft is junk at that point. It's just that your concept tube is just shove forward, and if you have a, a lighted uh, dock end cap in there, you may need to reseat that. It may not perform as well or like any of the other shafts. So a reason why I steer towards the 1.0 system for a lot of shooters is because, number one, it's, it's, a, it's a huge step up above their factory build. It's the meat and potatoes of our stuff that we build with that is, I would say, very shooter friendly. Um, I've only had a, you know, I mean, some rare occurrences where a guy would say, yeah, the 2.0 concept system or the 1.0 came out. I was like, what happened? He goes, well, I put it in my Scorpid Oculus. It was shooting 430 feet per second. <laughs> the arrow, it went through. The arrow penetrated into his brand new spider web target. The concept system proceeded through the target and shot through his basement wall. <laughs> so, I mean, of yeah, what if you... it was any kind of animal, it would have been dead. Yeah. But, I mean, I you try and build this stuff that it's unbreakable, but it's it's you can't guarantee that. Yeah, sure. We're dealing the, with glue and epoxy. We're dealing with glue and epoxy, and we're you know trying to get it to survive four hundred four to five hundred feet per second. Yeah. <laughs> so at, at at like negative, you know, in the, within five feet. So we got to look at, um, you know, the one system is definitely something favorable if you're new to one of these builds that's what i always recommend trying as a 1.0 concept system get your feet wet you know with that you can always explore a little bit later sure yeah well guys we've been going here for an hour uh i think we'll have to cut this one off and and talk some more but i want to learn more about 
uh, 2.0 myself. I want to shoot it and learn more about that, but we'll talk about that another day. Uh, Dorge, do you have any concluding remarks here? Well, I really think that most important, again, just like Dave said, and I would, I would emphasize, don't try the 2.0 on your own. You're going to hate it because you don't have the tools. You don't have the know-how. Get, get, a, get a good arrow builder like Dave or, or, or Jeremy or, or a guy from Adrian. Let them build you the first set so you know what it feels like. If that's what you like, then work with one of them to learn the ins and outs of how to build it. Otherwise, you're going to say, oh, I built this one and 12 arrows, six of them don't shoot right. And you think it's junk. Yeah. The fact is that, the, again, it's the builder. <laughs> Sure. Dave, anything uh, you want to leave off with here? Nah, I think, uh, I think we covered a lot of stuff. <laughs> where can, uh, where can people yeah. learn more about what you have going on? Uh, or if they want to get in t- touch with you, where can they contact you? Uh, the easiest way is just to go to my website, vitallimits.com. I got some info up there. I got some videos in, in high speed videos. I got some of your podcasts. Um, with the Apple link linked in there, um, my phone number, email. So you find that website, you'll find find a way to contact me. Awesome. Well, I encourage you guys to go check that out. Check out what Dave has going on. And if you need um, anything built, he's the guy to go to. So until next time, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Have a good one. I'll see you.